words. Why is God good to you? I'll hold the mic. Oh, let me turn it on. Is it on? I don't know why he's good to me, actually. And what makes him good? Why would you say God is good to you? What has he done for you is what I'm is what I'm asking. Oh, he's done a lot in my life. I that mean, was a loaded question, wasn't it? <laughs> I can list off a lot of stuff, but uh main thing is he gave his only begotten son for yes. me. Saved my life and saved my soul. Yes. Why is God good? Why would you say God is good, Aubrey? Always faithful. Always faithful. Absolutely. Anybody else? Why would you say God is good to you? Because he loves us. Yes. Because he loves us. Amen. And because he loves us, he's also faithful to his word, isn't he? So we can say God is good because he's faithful. God is good because he loves us. God is good because he is. And God gives us the ability to live victoriously in life and you know, life, you know, this last 12 months or so has been a little weird, hasn't it? Been just, to say the least, it's been a little bit weird. And I, I mentioned to you that I think in an email I sent out that a lot of people were glad to see 2020 go, but 2021 is under suspicion, the way it's getting started. Some, I read on someone's Facebook, they said, all right, this is like January 7th. They said, we've done the first seven days as a free trial. We don't think we're going to take the deal. So... But no, but we should because every day is a gift from God. And you know, regardless of what goes on around us, God is still good. And God is still truth. And God is still powerful. And he's still faithful to his word. And so even, you know, people get sick, don't they? But look at the testimony God heals. And people die early. And we don't understand always why things happen. But in the mystery, we still raise a hallelujah, don't we? One day we'll have the answers to all of these things. And, you know, we've seen in the last 12 months, we've seen anxiety and depression. We've just seen them increase at our mental health business, right? Uh, it's just incredible increase in depression and anxiety. We've seen a strong increase in substance use and addiction. We've seen suicide rates increase. And we've lived under a blanket of fear in this nation and around the world, you know, with this COVID virus. And, and now I just read before I came in here, 90, I think it was 55 or 95 people have died from the vaccination. Uh, 1,300 have been sent to the ER and all these other, you know, so you do I get it or don't I get it? Do I get, you know, and so well, what we just at the end of the day have to say, God, what is it you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And we have, we have other issues in our life. You know, loved ones, maybe our children, our grandchildren, our siblings are not living the way we think they should live. And it breaks our heart because we know they're missing out on the things of God. And we see a lot going on. We see people who have lost jobs and businesses that have closed. We see wars and rumors of wars and rumors of wars and more wars, right? So we see all of this, and all of this can bring a sense of darkness in our life. But we have to understand that we have victory over the darkness. We have to understand that. And Jesus told his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Now, do you think he would say that to us today? Let not our hearts be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. You know, he said he would never leave us or forsake us, right? He said, I leave my peace with you. So what part of that are we having trouble with, right? Sometimes it's the tangible things that causes problems with the intangible. And so, but we're given an answer to any dark areas in our life. And what is required to dispel darkness? Light. The only thing that will dispel darkness is light. 
And let's go back to the biblical antecedent, the first time light is mentioned in the scripture. And we'll see that in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 3 here. And we'll jump back to verse 1 in a minute. But it says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking what day? First day. Now, when was the sun and the moon created? Fourth day. So this wasn't the sun and the moon, right? This was something else. So if we go in and we look at these words, this is the, the I've got a little note here for us, a little cheat note. The Hebrew verbs used with this phrase, let there be and there was, are both related to the holy name Yahweh. Yehi, let there be, and wahi, and there was. So God did not create the sun until day four, so it was God himself filling the universe with the light of his presence and his glory. So we see when God said, let there be light, basically God came on the scene. God came on the scene. And let me read this out of the Passion. It says, you know, the Genesis Passion is out, by the way. It says, and then God announced, let there be light, and light burst forth. And God saw the light as pleasing and beautiful. He used the light to dispel the darkness. He used the light to dispel the darkness. So do we understand and comprehend what this means? When there's darkness in our life, what do we need? The presence of God. We need the presence of God. We have to have, and think about it in, in, in verse 1. Let me, just, let me just jump over the verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, that word hovering is like a mother looking after her children. It's someone watching with great care, looking for the time, the right time to move and to do whatever it is that God is going to speak for them to do. It says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. That word darkness is the word hosek. And it's more than just the absence of light. This is the condition of the earth at creation. The theological word book says it primarily is used to indicate a curse or judgment. So it's like the earth was under a curse in Genesis 1. Now, there are some theories that this was a recreation of a previous earth, and that's another time for another topic. But it, it, it primarily is used to indicate a curse or a judgment. Figuratively speaking, it means hiddenness, ignorance, and blindness. The biblical metaphor is if it's, that it's evil, it's misfortune, it's death. And it appears here as something more than the absence of light is a distinct entity. So what is darkness representing? It's representing an, an evil or, or presence that's covering the earth that is absent uh, from light, from God's presence. So the presence of God dispels the darkness. So do we, when do we see this again? Okay, this is creation. Let's fast forward 4,000 years. How many of you have felt like you've been in darkness at times? We all have, haven't we? I think we all could. We felt there may be some times we felt like we've been uh, blinded or or we're ignorant, don't really know what to do. Or you know, God always wants us to know what to do. The Spirit, the Word says that the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide us into all truth, right? So we shouldn't be stumbling around trying to find out the truth. We shouldn't be if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We say, well, well, this person says this is truth, and this person says that is truth. Well, there's only one truth, and it's the truth that agrees with the Word of God, right? It's the truth that agrees with the Word of God. There is no other truth. So we go, okay, let's fast forward 4,000 years, John 1, 1. 
In the beginning, where's that? Genesis 1. In the beginning, the word already existed. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. So the word is a person, right? And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. So the light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it, the light. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So we're talking about Jesus was with God at creation. He, Jesus is the word of God and, and creation came through Jesus. It came through that word. And that word in the Greek is the word logos. And this is what logos means. It means it's a title given to Jesus that is understood as God's ultimate communication of truth about himself. So Jesus, what does it tell us in Hebrews? He's that representation of God. So the word of God, Jesus, it gives us a complete ultimate communication of who God is, what God's about, what God is like. You know, when you've seen Jesus, you've, he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We should be able to say that to the world. When you've seen us, you've seen Jesus, right? When you've seen us, you've seen Jesus. We should be able to say that to the world. So, And we see that life came from the word and light came from the life, right? So we see that, that life is that, let me give you the word, definition for life. It's the word zoe. We have a granddaughter, Zoe, who's 21 today, by the way. And I can say this, this kind of typifies her personality. Zoe or life that we're talking about here is the inherent capacity for producing and maintaining living beings. It especially is understood as a life characterized by healthiness, happiness, exuberance, energy, vitality, and the like. So what are we saying? Jesus said, this is the kind of life I give you. Your life is supposed to be characterized by healthiness. You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be full of energy. You're supposed to be vital. You should be excited about something. You think God, that's why God says an apathetic church makes me sick on my stomach. You're lukewarm. I'm going to throw you up, (laughs) you know, because you don't see this life. And so we as believers should be, we should be always full of life, always excited, always expecting the best from God, always understanding that his word is truth. And we have to understand that God's word, life brings light, which removes darkness. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He made it really clear, right? What did he say about his disciples? He said, you're salt and you're light. So if Jesus is the light, we are the light. If we're the light, that means our word should be giving life and life gives light. It seems so simple, doesn't it? So why is there so much darkness in the world? Unfortunately, the light of the church has been covered with a basket. As Jesus says, it should not have been. As the church goes, so goes the nation. I just, uh, Caleb gave me a, a reference to a video. Caleb and Jeremy, right? Gave me a reference to a video. And I looked, I mean, you guys should look at this. It's Carmen. It's back in the mid-90s. In fact, I may even play it once. I think it's more relevant today than it was then. But he said something. And I'm, I'm making a mess, mess this up, Caleb, so don't fuss at me you know, later. <laughs> he can, come on up here. Tell me what Abraham Lincoln said. Here we go. This is a smart guy. Let's see. What, tell us what Abraham Lincoln said. 
the line that Carmen quoted in the video was from Lincoln, and he said, the line was, Abraham Lincoln said the philosophy in the schoolroom of one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. So when you eliminate the word of God from the classroom and politics, you eliminate the nation that word protects. Amen. Wow, is that not a smart kid there? Awesome. He's not a kid, he's a young man. That's powerful, isn't it? Whatever philosophies in your classroom in this generation, unless there's an intervention, that same philosophy is going to be running our nation in the next generation. So we remove God out of the schools. What do we get? We get God out of our government. And then we have all this mess going on that we see going on with babies being aborted, the homosexual agenda being perpetrated on our nation, rammed down our throats. And God is, he says, it's an abomination and I hate it. He also says it defiles the land. And the church is sitting back asleep. And it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. So we have to be that light that gives life to situations and to dark situations. And we have to understand that the word of God, we've said that we war with the word. You don't have anything else to war with. You can't war with what you heard on the news. You can't war with the, the opinion of the masses. You know, there's old philosophy we heard one time years ago says you observe the masses and you do the opposite if you want to be successful. You observe the masses and you do the opposite. That's right. So we have to understand that the word of God is all that we have. It's all that we need, isn't it? It's all we need. We don't need anything else because who is the word? Jesus is the word. And what is the word? The word is life and the word is light. Okay, so just a couple of others. Many, many scriptures I could give you here. It is so important that we understand this. 2 Timothy 3, 16. A few of the scriptures are inspired by God. All of the scriptures are inspired by God. I'm glad some of you caught that, okay? That literally means it's God-breathed. The word of God is out of God's mouth. It is breathed because that word becomes life and it becomes light. 1 John 1, 1 says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Who are we talking about? John 1, 1, right? We proclaim to you the one that existed from the beginning is Jesus, Logos. Whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. He is the word of life. Why would we want anything else? We shouldn't, right? You can understand now why Paul said, Is Christ in us our hope of glory? Is Christ in us our hope of glory? And says, He is the word of life. Let's go back to the Old Testament. How powerful are our words? Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in what? Power of the tongue. How many times have we heard this in this church? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now listen to this. This is the kicker. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it, whether for death or whether for life. It's, it's, it's reaping what you sow. If you sow seeds of negativity, what are you going to reap? Negativity. If you sow seeds of positivity you're going to reap reap positivity so that's telling us if i'm speaking health and life what should i reap health and life you see this is hocus pocus it's not hocus pocus it's the word of god if i speak i'm never going to make it i'm going to be defeated my business is going under you know what's going to happen my brain's going to tell my body to act in a way that's going to cause that to come i'm going to have this self-fulfilled prophecy taking place in my life that is going to destroy everything i put my hands to but you tell yourself in an impossible situation, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to be successful. I don't care what economy says. I don't care what it says. God is going to open the, just like with, wasn't that a powerful testimony? 
There's no reason she should be getting new business in this COVID season when things are shutting down. But see, God knows he had someone there that he could trust. And he told this woman, he told this woman in her spirit, you call this woman. I believe maybe if she went through Google or Yellow Pages or Duck Duck or whatever it is, she might have been the only name that came up because God arranges things like that. We've had people tell us through the years, I don't know why I'm calling you. I don't even know you, but I just felt impressed to call you or so whatever. Things like this happen because God is in control. So we, but what are we speaking out of our mouth? We're speaking, God, you've got to speak the word. You've got to say what God says about you. Let me tell you, the key to Luke 4.18 is identity. The reason so many people have trouble walking in victory is because they do not walk in their God identity. They walk in a false identity that the devil has given to them. And you've got to get rid of it. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. For what? It determines the very course of your life. And what's the big deal about the heart? Well, Jesus tells us, whatever's in your heart determines what you say. So we guard our hearts. So if we're filling our heart full of all this negative news and fake news and lies from anywhere, it's going to fill our heart. And that's what's going to get coming out of our mouth. You can't afford to listen to hardly anything except the word of God. You really can't afford to listen to much because you get it from all sides, right? Whoever has the loudest voice has got their opinion going. Whoever controls the language controls the culture. We've said it. But what goes into our heart is what comes out of our mouth. From the abundance of the mouth, the heart, the mouth will speak. And the heart is a treasure chest. And we pull out of that treasure chest things that God, that's either been put in there by the world or put in there by God, hopefully God. So we're the result of God's spoken word. You are the result of God's spoken word. And as Christ dwells in us, the power of our words brings life or death. It'll bring victory or defeat as Christ dwells in you. I want you to think about your conversation over the last seven days. Let me tell you, this is going to be an interesting week. I may be prophesying to you now. This is going to be an interesting week. And whatever you see, you can't let it move you. Whatever you see, you better hear what God is saying to you. Because things are going to happen this week. And let me tell you, you've got to be, you've got to hear from God for yourself. You've got to, you've got to hear from God for yourself. And I would suggest that maybe we take special time personally just to pull away and say, God, what are you saying to me in this day? And regardless of what you see, believe, you can probably only believe about 1% of it. Okay. So the power of our words can bring life or death or victory or defeat. So we must know the word of God. We must speak the word of God over our life. And, you know, there's a scripture in Luke that has always been kind of an interesting scripture for me. And I just want to, I want to read this to us because it's so important that we understand the entire counsel of God's word. It's so important. And I'm going to read it out of the NLT, then I'm going to read it out of the Passion. But it says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Now, he's not talking about this eyeball here, although that's where we do know light goes in there, right? When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it's unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. What is that? That's deception. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Now let me read this out of the the, the Passion. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. When your heart is open, the light floods in. The revelation floods in. 
See, if our heart is, if I'm up here and I'm saying, I just don't think God heals today, my heart is closed. So, see, the, the light that I think I have is really darkness because I don't believe God heals today because Aunt Sally died of cancer and she was a good woman. So my, my heart has been closed and I no longer can receive revelation from God because I have this opinion, I have this thought. And it says, when the heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate the darkness and darkness takes its place. What we have seen is, the more we resist what God is really doing, the harder the heart gets. Open your heart and consider my words. Watch out that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. Now, we could chew on that a minute, couldn't we? Watch out that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation. That's why you have to have the whole counsel of the word. You can't pull one little scripture out of here and say, this is what God said, when it doesn't agree with the rest of the scripture. Right? You can't just pull one little thing out. Well, God, Jesus didn't heal everybody, so he doesn't want to heal. No, God says, I'm the Lord God who heals all of your diseases. He calls himself Jehovah Rapha. So unless we take the whole counsel of the word, we're going to nitpick and pull a little scripture out of here, and we're going, to, we're going to believe something that's really an opinion and not the revelation of God. If your spirit burns with light, fully eliminated with no trace of darkness, you will be a shining lamp, reflecting rays of truth by the way that you live. So we look at things in our life today, and, and, we, and we all have opinions, but how do they compare to the word of God? My opinion means I cannot afford to have an opinion different than God's opinion. Right? And we should know the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And I believe this. If you just know the first five books of the Bible, they all point to Jesus. Man, you got it all. God says everything about himself that we need. But he's given us so much more. Study the kings. Study the prophets. Study the Psalms, the the Gospels. But you need to know, we need to know the full the full scope of what the scripture is saying and not just nitpicking our personal little scriptures because it fits my opinion or it suits my perspective. So, you know, we look at our economy and the economy in the nation, we think, oh my goodness, this is not a good time to buy a house or do this or do that. Well, you better know that God's told you to do it or not to do it, right? But let me tell you something. If God says start a business, it doesn't matter what the economy is. You started your first business when the interest rates were what, about 20%? We didn't, God just said, well, did I say anything about the interest rates? I didn't think heaven's economy was based on the earth's interest rates, right? So if God's telling you to do something, you do it. Now, you don't, we don't get foolish, right? If you're making $500 and you're spending $600, I wouldn't go in debt if I were you, right? There's thing called common sense. Oh, God will supply all my needs. That's called presumptuous faith. And that'll get you in trouble. So we can never put anything over the word of God. We cannot mistake our opinions or what we think we see as Russian if it doesn't agree with the word of God. We think about some excuse. I mean, I've had, I remember one lady, it came several years ago, and she said, I was taking her through just Christian ministry, and she said, uh, I can never forgive my father for what he, and he did horrific things to her. I can never forgive my father, and God doesn't expect me to. See, she had an opinion that was different than Scripture. And in the natural sense, she had every reason in the natural to not forgive her father. He had done horrific things to her. I'm surprised she was even living, really. But see, I said what the Word of God says, that if you don't forgive, he can't forgive you. 
Now, this lady was struggling with alcohol addiction. She had numerous physical ailments because that's what anger and unforgiveness will do to you. So see, regardless of what the opinion was, in the natural, someone said, well, I wouldn't forgive him either. No, God's word says, you forgive and I will forgive you. And see, sin keeps us from from God, from hearing. And then, so if we're in, if we have unforgiveness in our heart because something that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago, we're not going to get revelation light from God because we've got this sin that's blocking us from hearing from God. So we cannot mistake our opinions for revelation light. We cannot do it. You know, sometimes we'll say, well, this is the way I've been taught. Well, sometimes we need to unlearn some things. <laughs> we need to unlearn so we can relearn, right? I mean, if you were taught a lot of things after you got born again, you had to relearn some things. Amen. We all did. So in Luke 4.18, Jesus says he comes to release captives. Captives. Now, that, I'm going to tell you what that word captives means. It means those confined or prisoners of war. Those confined or prisoners, darkness represents curses, judgments, anything outside of the promise of God for you and for me. So if we are living a life and we do not have a promise of God present, we are being held captive by the enemy. There's something that he's holding us. We're a prisoner of war to that thing that the enemy is holding us in, in bondage to. The enemy has prisoners of war who are held captives away from the promises of God. And that should never happen. That should never happen. We should never be held captive. We overcome the enemy how? By the blood of the lamb applied to our life, being born again. We have to be born again. We have to be born again. Many times people have an intellectual knowledge of God and they really want to do right with God, but they really haven't been born again. They haven't truly turned their life. They haven't truly had that face-to-face experience to where they can walk away from that sinful lifestyle. So we have to war with our words. We pray the word, <coughs> excuse me, we speak the word, we sing the word, we think the word. What does it tell us in, in, I think it's in Deuteronomy, with our children? You speak the word when they get up, you speak the word when they go to bed, you speak the word when they go out, you speak the word when they come in. That's what it says. You, you think there was a purpose in that? I think there was a reason for that. So how do we war with our words? Three quick steps, Okay. Make notes, and these are up on our podcast, and uh, I think it's, yeah, pro- and also our website. How do you war with the word? Number one, you have to life your situation with the word of God. You come into agreement with what God says about your situation. I don't care what you're going through. What does God say about your situation? That's what you have to come into agreement with. You don't come into agreement with what the world says about it. You come into agreement with what God says about it. So you life your. Remember the word life's. The word shares light and darkness. You might be in a situation where it looks so, I don't know how to get out of here. It's so dark. I feel like I'm fumbling around. You know, I said the day I got born again, it's like somebody came in and flipped the lights on in my room. It was that, that dramatic, that different. So we life our situation with the word of God. We find out what does God say about this situation. Number two, this is very important. We eliminate all carnal weapons of war. What does 2 Corinthians 10 tell us? We don't war like the world. We don't have carnal way of war. We were talking last night. You know, we there's a difference. I was talking to my friend Mary Ann, and she just did a Bible teaching on, are you a fighter or a warrior? I said, I got to get your notes on that. She promised to send them, and she hasn't yet. So Mary Ann, if you see this, I need your notes. But anyway, 
There is a difference between a street fighter and a warrior. What's the difference? A warrior uses strategy. A street fighter is just out there punching and running and hitting what, like some of these riots we've seen, burning down buildings that don't even, I mean, it don't even, it makes no difference. They're just burning down innocent people's things, shooting people, beating people, hurting people. See, those are not warriors. Those are just street fighters. God doesn't hire street fighters. God hires warriors. God enlists warriors. And so we are, we should eliminate all carnal weapons of war, such as lies, deceits, manipulations, Rage and violence. That's not the way God wars. We don't need to go out and burn down abortion clinics because we're not in favor of abortion. No, we have spiritual weapons, don't we? We have spiritual weapons. We have to be a warrior and we have to ask God for his strategy. We have to ask God for the strategy. Worship team, you can come on up if you're, you can get ready for, we're going to close this out with a time of worship. And number three, we have to decree ourselves into victory. And you only decree your victory. You only decree your victory. Job twenty two twenty eight says, You also decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you. The light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. That word decide or decree means a cutting off or a cutting away. It means to decide with such authority that it's always followed by issuing a decree. You believe it so much that you begin to decree, I will be successful, I will be prosperous, I will be healthy, and you don't allow anything else to come out of your mouth. You don't listen to the labels the doctor put on you. You don't listen to what the world says to you. Well, start this business, but I'm not sure if it's going to make it. I'm going to tell you, it's not going to make it. I'm going to start this business, and God is going to give me divine input. He's going to give me wisdom. He's going to give me knowledge. He's going to give me favor. Light is going to shine on me. I'm going to have the favor all over the city. I remember when we started Genesis in 03, they said, you know, you can't compete against the biggies. You know who the biggies are. And we said, we didn't get in business to compete with anyone. We got in business because God said get in business. That's why we got in business. We didn't get in business to put someone else out. Believe me, there's enough mental health going around for all of us. But let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Whatever God calls you to do, you can be successful if you'll trust Him and listen to Him. So we started doing things a little differently. I hope you heard Dutch Sheets give him 15 yesterday. He talked about the pioneering spirit. He said, they're not, they're not people, they're people that's not afraid to go outside of the familiar. Let me tell you, God's calling a people today that's not afraid to go outside of the familiar. God's wanting churches to look differently. He's wanting services to look differently. He's wanting the word to go forth differently. He's wanting, he's wanting his people to be filled with the authority of his word and the power of his spirit. But you know what? His standards haven't changed. Holiness is still required. Holiness is still required. So we have to begin to decide. First of all, you got to decide, am I going to be healthy or am I going to be sick? Am I going to believe what God said or not believe what God said? Let me tell you, if you believe what God said, doesn't mean you get foolish. Does not mean you get foolish. God might tell you to still follow the plan your doctor gives to you. And then you speak life and health and wholeness in that. God might tell you to not follow the plan. But you've got to know what you got to know the voice of God. God will tell you what kind of business, where to start it. God will tell you how to pray for your children. You don't beat them over the head with Bible verses. You don't beat them over. That's not going to do any good. It's just going to push away and build a wall. So we don't war like the world wars. 
We war with God's word. We take authority with God's word. But let me tell you, the first person we have to take authority over is ourselves. Amen. That's the first person we have to take authority over. Our attitudes, right? Our our emotions. Yes. Are they controlling you? Are you controlling them? How about your calendar? Take authority over your calendar. Is your day controlling you? Are you controlling your day? I've learned to say no a lot lately. <laughs> I had to. God told me to. He said, quit listening to meaningless arguments. They mean nothing at the end of the day, and all they do is create strife and friction, division. Yes. Quit listening to them. Just pray that God will open the hearts of people to see truth. That's all we can do. So we have to cut away everything that's in disagreement with what we have decided we're going to accept from God's hand. Eliminate every label that's been assigned to you by someone else that's in disagreement with the Word of God. Labels will cause a total shift in your identity. See, we need to be saying, I am the healed. We need to quit saying, my heart attack, my diabetes, yes. my cancer, yes. my this, my that, my misfortune. We need to quit saying that. You're owning it and you empower it in your life. Amen. Some of us have to break habits because we're so used to that because that's all we've heard. How am I going to treat my disease? Well, it's the devil's disease and I'm giving it back to him, right? Yes. Let's stand. You had a song about victory, didn't you? Yeah, we have victory is yours. And let me give you all a heads up. We're having some technical difficulties, so we can't put the words up for you. But you can type in victory is yours lyrics onto your smartphones and pull them up if you want. So I'm giving you a heads up while I stall. Pretty good? Awesome. Okay, guys, come on up here and let's let's shout for victory, okay? I want to say something that Ron shared with us earlier. Um, he gave us this phrase. You can, you can say what you have or you can have what you say. This is the victory in our words. This is the victory in our faith. We can look around at the troubles and difficulties and we can say that's what it is and that's not faith. Or we can look at the Word of God and the promises of God and the power of God and we can declare... And we can make it happen. Well, he can make it happen. We do it through our faith. All right. Y'all got your lyrics up now? Our fight is with weapons unseen. Enemies crash to their knees as we rise up in worship. When trials unleash like a flood, a battle belongs to our God as we cry up in worship. Victory is yours. The victory is yours. You're riding on a true storm. Your name is unfailing. Your name is unfailing. No kingdom rise and fall. No kingdom rise and fall. Your throne withstands it all. Your 
name is unshaken. Your name is unshaken. What helped me to
where you feel like you're a prisoner of war held captive by the enemy maybe it's a sickness maybe it's just a fear maybe it's a a relative a a person, a child, a grandchild whatever, sibling that doesn't know Jesus what are you saying about it? are you saying that I am healed? or are you saying that I well I've got six months I have a brother they just sent home this week said there's nothing more we can do for you. I said, praise God, then we know who can. His whole attitude has shifted just since we have him home. Got him off some of the drugs he was on. His attitude has totally shifted. I said, we're going to see you up and walk again. We're not accepting the label, the diagnosis. No, we're giving care. We're giving all the care we can give. And we're thanking God for the healing. You know, God is greater than cancer. God is greater than cancer. Why do we settle for it? God is greater than the devil keeping our children in captivity. Their minds being influenced. They're in schools that don't even teach that God is even existing. They go to, they go to, to uh, somebody was just telling me, a friend of mine was telling me her daughter's had, filling out college applications. They're asking her, tell us what you think about your gender. I said, I'd throw that thing in the trash can. I said, that's telling you what she's going to get when she gets to the classroom. See, we have to stand up and say, well, this is the greatest school. This is where I want to go. No, we have to say, I'm not going to that. I'm not I'm not filling my mind with that infectious negativity. We've got to stand for what the Word of God says in every single area of our lives, even if it feels inconvenient, even if it's not what we thought we were going to do or get. We've got to stand true to what God's Word says. We can't be this way today and over here claiming God's promises tomorrow. Zach, you have a word. I read this last night, but I've been struggling with reading it today, but I feel like it's appropriate time. Evilness has been widespread and has persecuted the church for a season. But God is restoring his people. We will shout with joy and rejoice because of what the Lord has done. This is a time to take a stand. This is a time to shout with joy. For praise is a crucial ingredient for successful spiritual warfare. Let me read that again. For 
Praise is a crucial ingredient for successful spiritual warfare. Yes. So in the coming days, I want to hear my army filling their city with joyful praise. For weapon form that you can prosper. That's including sickness. Yes. For the enemy hates joyful praise. Our praise will run out every demon in our city, churches, and families. You are a mighty army. We see how important worship is, how important praise is. And you'll be coming to church and we're going to be quiet. But we go home and watch the Panthers today. And when they get in down in the bottom ten and they can't get across, we're screaming and yelling at the top of our lungs. And we can't give God the worship and praise that we need. I don't have that. I want you to all, if you will, I want us to come forward. I want you to praise God. We're not in a big hurry, are we? Well, you know, when you're struggling with a situation in your life that's life or death, you know, why should we get in a hurry with God? The source of our, our solution for our answer, for our issues. We should, be, we should be ready to give God praise and worship instantly, in season and out of season. Are we ready? Yes. Let's just give him, let's give him some praise with our lips. Hallelujah. Yes. Wow.